What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great. Hope you're having an awesome time focusing on the Lord and worshiping. So great to see everybody. Those of you that are worshiping online with us, uh, man, thank you so much for dialing in and connecting with us. Even though you're on screen and watching virtually, there, there absolutely is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here in the auditorium or watching online, it doesn't matter. We have God inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we constantly are carrying him uh, everywhere we go. That's hugely important. If you are new to Grace Church, welcome. Uh, if you're new online watching us for the first time, thank you so much for, for taking this opportunity. I just wanted to share just briefly at the end of this service, we will be partaking in communion together. Uh, so if you're watching online, if you want to grab some communion elements that you have in your home, like I would encourage you to do that uh, because we have been in a powerful series. Uh, we've been working through the, the book of Ephesians, and I don't know if you've been following online or watching or here in attendance, but man, I'll tell you what, if you haven't watched these, you've got to go back and watch on YouTube uh, these messages that we've talked about the last several weeks. It has just been so significant, so powerful. I hope that you've, you're grabbing a hold of these and you're applying them in their life because today's going to be no different. I, 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 like I want to use the cliche to fasten your seatbelts because I, I even shared with my son before I came up, I'm like, I'm jacked. Like, I am jacked. I am ready. This is going to be powerful. This is going to be life-changing. This is exactly why we do what we do, why we're in the church, why we want to connect with the Lord, because this is going to be so significant. And so let's pause and let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to move in us and through his word as he speaks. So Lord God, we come before you. We, we just fully acknowledge we need you. We desire you. We want you. Lord, would you speak? Uh, Lord, I don't want to talk. I want you to speak. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to our lives. Speak to us as people. Lord, we need to hear from you in this time, in this day, in this hour. We want to hear your Holy Spirit. We want to be led by you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, no doubt, gosh, if you look at our world in the last several weeks, days, months, you know, everything's kind of flipped upside down and crazy. And, uh, but man, for us as a church, we believe that God's word is the, the, the root of what we look to, right? We want to lead biblically moral lives, so we look to scripture as God's truth, and today is no different. Like, we're going to be dialing into Ephesians chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 4. If you're watching online, open up your Bible app to Ephesians 4, because the book of Ephesians is actually a letter. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus, uh, that's now in modern-day Turkey. And so he wrote this right around 60 AD. And the thing that's interesting is he was in prison when he wrote this letter to them. And so to me, despite our circumstance, despite whatever situation you're in right now, God can use you. If God can use a man to write a letter to a church that we still read 2,000 years later, right, then, man, God uses us in our situation regardless of, of what we're dealing with. But just to give a little bit of a recap in Ephesians. So Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 talk about who we are. It talks about our identity in Christ. It's hugely important for us to stay, understand it. It talks about God's unconditional love for us. And every time I read verses about that, it's always a great reminder uh, for us. But then as Paul writes his, his letter, chapters 4 through 6 begin to talk about what we should do. Because we now know our identity in Christ. We know who we are. So as a result, we take these steps forward, and this is what we do. And so there's the reality knowing that we can't earn more of God's love. God can't love us more. He already loves us 100%, fully, unconditionally. We, he can't love us more. But here's what I want to share with you. I feel like we can love him more. 
I feel like in our lives and what we do, how we do it, and understanding who we are in Him. And so what we do is hugely connected to our identity in Christ and that others can see Christ's love inside of us. In fact, Jesus talked about this in John 13, 35. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Hugely important for us to understand. So love for God, love for the church, uh, love for those who don't yet know him, extremely important for us. When you, when you look at just society and community, time and time again, you see Christ was showing love towards those that were marginalized, towards those that were hurting. You know, in this day and age, it doesn't matter race, it, it doesn't matter color of skin, those that are lonely, those that are hurting, depressed, love covers a multitude of sin. And in, in Corinthians, it says that love never fails. And so that's, the, that's what we're driven by. Because of Christ's love for us, and now as a result, we can love other people. And so we're that type of church. That's who we are. We're going to do this. We're going to promote unity. We're going to promote reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. We're going to promote talking about scripture as the solution. We're going to talk about reconciliation. We're going to speak life towards other people. That's who we are. Because we believe that Jesus is the answer for a lost and hurting world. And all of that comes from our identity in Christ. And so if you've watched you know, the, the first three uh, messages, uh, that's awesome. If you haven't, you've got to do that. But today we're going to take a look at Ephesians 4 and, and begin talking about the church. Uh, so that's you. Like If you're part of the body of Christ, we have to understand that we are part of that. We're connected together on purpose, and this is God's design for us. So let's take a look at Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. It's, it's, so this is Paul speaking. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And so here it is. Here it is. Paul talks about identity for three chapters. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hey, this is now what you've got to do. This is who you need to be. This is what this should look like. So he begins talking about character traits that should be in our life. But then noting that nobody's perfect. Right? He absolutely acknowledged that. In fact, take a moment right now. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. And, and if you're here by yourself, and just say to yourself, just, just you know, maybe, you, maybe you're at home, like say in the mirror, you're not perfect, you know, so you are not perfect. And, and what's interesting is maybe you're sitting by two people, and you look to one of them first and said you're not perfect. I, I'm just saying, I'm just pointing that out, just acknowledging that, so you got to own that. Uh, but man, we're not, we are not perfect, and neither is the person next to you, and we get that. Right? We understand that. So, why do we expect other people to be perfect? We do. Like, if, and when we look at our lives all the time, we're going, oh, you know, I just, I make mistakes, you know, that's too bad. But, man, we hold other people to a higher level of expectation and standard than we do ourselves. And so, let me ask you this thought provoking question Who in your life right now? Are you holding to a higher standard or expecting them to be perfect? And it's causing animosity. It's causing resentment. You're not being patient, humble. You're actually causing hostility because you're holding unrealistic expectations. 
because when Paul lists out some of these character traits, they're attractive. Like when you, when you meet somebody who's humble, that's attractive, isn't it? That they can be a confident person, and you're like, wow, they've got it all together, but they can be humble as well. That's just so neat. I mean, wouldn't you rather be close to somebody that's humble? I mean, because time and time again, we meet pe- people that are prideful and arrogant, and it's just, it's a turnoff. It really is. You're like, man, you're kind of full. But when we meet somebody that is confident in, the, in knowing who they are and their identity in Christ, and yet humble, man, that's amazing. That's so significant. And so when we experience those things in our life, when we don't have those character traits that Paul is talking about, then I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I believe that sometimes God's word speaks to us. Sometimes we have somebody in our life that holds us accountable. And so we've got to make some changes. Uh, because if we be who we're called to be, then we can do all that God has for us. And so we can live like that in our life. And so here are some investments that God has made in you, in each of us. And so we're not perfect, and we get that. And, and let's jump down to verse 7. And Paul continues. He says, hey, however, he has given each of us, one of us, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So the first point that I want to share with you is giftedness. Like Giftedness is something that's communicated in our society, community, and we like that. When you say you're gifted, that's a big deal. That makes us feel good. So here Paul's talking about special gifts. He's talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit literally invests in us. God puts them inside of us. And so there's different chapters that list out uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit. So one of them is, is like the gift of knowledge. Uh, and, and so some of these maybe you've heard of, some of them maybe you haven't. Maybe you need to do a Bible study, do some research. Uh, the gift of knowledge, where literally the, the Spirit imparts things into us, to knowledge and understanding and wisdom, where we begin to understand things that are beyond our own capability, where he gives us words of knowledge, and we go, wow, you know, God is directing me this. God is showing me this. How did you know that? Well, I just I feel like it's an impression of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's a gift of prophecy, where prophecy, oftentimes people refer to that as talking about the future and stuff, and there is an aspect of prophecy, prophetic nature, where that's the, that's the case. But the prophetic gift is mainly for the encouragement of the church. I mean, speaking encouragement towards other people and what that is, speaking prophetically in their life and who they can be in Christ instead of being held down, right? Then a lot of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're familiar with some of the normal ones. Like if I said the gift of leadership or the gift of administration or teaching, those are all gifts of the Holy Spirit. And those are more practical. Those are cool and awesome. And we all have those. But then there's also a level of supernatural gifts, right, that, that the Holy Spirit imparts to us. And sometimes when we begin to talk about the supernatural things, we get a little bit, we feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's more difficult to understand. Like the gift of tongues, it's, it's real, it's, it's alive, it's the Holy Spirit, but not, we don't understand it, so we sometimes get afraid of it. Or, or the gift of healing. Literally, it talks about scripture, about laying hands on people to, that they would experience physical healing. And that's supernatural. You and I can't conjure enough power and authority to, to, to cast disease. It's only because of Christ that we're able to do that. But I want you to have this understanding that you're not perfect, but God has invested in you. He has put special gifts inside of you to be used for, for your benefit, for the people around you, and for the church, and for our community. And so with that, I hope you feel encouraged uh, because so often when I talk to people about this, is they go, yeah, 
you know, I have some gifts, but... And then what they do is they, they look at another person, and they go, yeah, but I, I know this other person, and they just, they just seem to have it all together, and, and, and they have, like, these other gifts. And here's the deal. Stop comparing your gifts to somebody else's gifts, because that's what children do at Christmas time, right? That's what little kids do. Oh, I got a sweater, and he got a bicycle, like, I want a bicycle. That's what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about little kids comparing gifts, you know, and, and so we've got to stop doing that. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop being immature. It's time to start showing the maturity that God has put inside of us. Having mature faith is the challenge that Paul is laying out for us in this Ephesians 4, and that's exactly why I'm jacked up. I'm excited about seeing us take steps forward and have maturity in our faith. And so stop comparing your gifts to other people. Stop comparing life. Just stop comparing, like, your prayer life. I mean, sometimes people go, oh, no, like, how long do you pray? You're talking to your friends about their prayer life, and they go, oh, well, this is the, the length of time that I pray. And you go, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe they, they pray so long, and, and I don't do that. Because here's the deal. If you're doing the, the, the Bible reading in a year, like the year-long Bible, if you're doing that, you tell people, don't you? You do. You do. And, and you're like, my devotional life's going great. Reading the Bible in a year, 3,365 days, and I'm on track. You know, June 28th, right on track. Bible in a year. But if you're only reading one verse a day, you're probably not bringing that up in your Bible study, your small group, to your friends. You're not posting about that on social media. Read my verse for the day. Like, right? But, but when we're doing those things, because there's so much comparison. And I got to be honest, I struggle with this. I do struggle because I'm a normal person just like you, and sometimes my prayer life is less than stellar. My prayer life gets to, to this point where I, I feel like, who am I talking to? Well, God, where are you? I don't feel you. I don't experience you. My Bible reading gets, gets really thin at times where I'm going, man, I really should, but honestly, sometimes I just don't want to. And so I battle with this, and then I hear other people that are like, no, I'm not reading the Bible in a year. I'm reading in a half a year. I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and so that comparison comes in, you know, and I struggle with that, and I feel inadequate. And so maybe you can relate and you understand that too. But spiritual gifts are something that God gives to us through the Holy Spirit. I also think there's an added level of this giftedness. And, and I want to I call it like grace for your place. And so what I mean by that is you ha you're in a certain season or you kind of fit a certain criteria or, or social status or a place that, that you're, a situation in life. Let me give you an example. Uh, a family that, that has a special needs child, right? It just seems, I, I know many of them, I have very close friends have a child with special needs and, and, and you know, you look at them and you, and you see what they have to do, what's required on top of just normal parenting, which is challenging by itself. But there just seems to be a supernatural grace for the place that they're in. Because you talk to them and you go, how in the world do you do it? And they'll be honest and they'll go, some days are really tough. But honestly, I don't know how sometimes we make it. And to me, that's where God is intervening. God is giving them the grace that they need in their situation to allow them to carry through. And I just, there's so many examples that I, another one that I hear often is full-time missionaries. 
when people are called to go to other places or other countries that, that come here to America because America is a mission field. Uh, so so people, missionaries are moving here. Uh, to, and, and so it just full-time missions is a big deal, big commitment. People go, I don't know how you do it. And sometimes they'll say, I don't know how I do it either. But it's, there's, gra- there's supernatural grace that God gives. Okay, so we've got to get that. There's an aspect of giftedness. And so then Paul, in his letter, he goes back to what he just said. So let's take a look at verse 9. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And so let me just kind of break this down, right? Ascended, descended. What that means is literally God, in the form of his son Jesus, puts on flesh. God becomes human. The Son of God is born, lives among the earth, lives a perfect life, died as a sacrifice. So where he was, for, he, during all time, forever and eternity, Jesus was there and with the Lord. And he says, you know what, I'm going to go. And he says, I'll willingly go, become human. Is born here, lives a perfect life, defeats our enemy. He defeats Satan, right? Defeats sin, defeats death. We get supernatural life for every eternity. That's amazing. So I want to encourage you with that. Jesus did all those things for us, so we need to stop living a life of defeat because Jesus descended for us so that we could have this connection with him. But then he also ascends back, his ascension in the book of Acts. And I love this part where it says he fills the entire universe with himself. I mean, think about that for just a moment. Think about the magnitude of what that is. That's astounding to me. And this is, this is the, like, Paul talks about this several times in the book of Ephesians, about Jesus filling our, our himself, just with the, filling the, the entire universe with himself. I mean, let that speak to your spirit, your mind, who you are, just for a moment. Because to me, what that means is if we get to this place where we surrender, where we surrender our life to the Lord, we go, yep, I need you and I know it. When we do that, we cannot escape his presence. We can never escape his presence. And when we are able to understand the magnitude of that, that should change us. That should change the way we think, the way that we act, the way that we treat other people, the love that's inside of us that can come out. This is so big to me. I hope that you can get this, you know, as the church, because uh, this should change us, right? So we understand we're not perfect. We understand that God has given us special gifts in our life, and we understand that we can have fullness in a life of Christ. And Paul continues in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son and that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so what that means is, I am not here so you can watch me work. That's that's what that, that means to me. So my job is to challenge you it's to encourage you to use your gifts that, that the Holy Spirit has imparted in you. He's like, I, I need my church to use them. 
And so if you're listening to messages, if you're listening to us and, and, and how we preach, if you're listening to, to what Scripture is saying and you're not doing as a result, then you are not living into the fullness of what Christ is offering. You have a full potential, a full purpose that God has for us. So it's recognizing our identity and then walking that out and living this out. Because if we're not doing that, right, what happens usually is we start to get a little bit lazy. When we start to get a little bit lazy, we get sedentary. When we start to get sedentary, then we're, we get a little fat. And I'm talking about spiritual fat, right? We just, we're getting all this knowledge, all this wisdom. We're reading all this scripture. We're listening to all these things. We just kind of get bloated. And then what happens is we get complacent. And we're going, oh, I just, I'm looking for something deep. Okay, you want something deep? Then go use what you have been given. That's deep. Go love somebody unconditionally. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's deep. That's so significant. Don't get complacent. Don't get prideful in the amount of knowledge that you, this biblical knowledge that you have. Because what happens when we do that, when we allow pride to come in, instead of humility, like it talk, talks about in the first few verses in this chapter, we begin to get prideful, and then we get a little bit judgmental towards others. Not loving, not humble or patient, judgmental. And when we start to get judgmental, we start to complain don't we? And the reason I can say all this is because it happens to me and it happens to every single one of you. All of us, all of us deal with this at some point in time. And maybe that's you right now. So the biggest thing that you can do is recognize it and make some changes. Now, I hope you're okay with me saying that. I love you. You're amazing, right? I'm your pastor, right? But I hope that I can say some, some confronting things to you. Now, I also want to say I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of who you are as a church. We have so many people that are loving and serving and involved in the community and making a difference, serving other people. But man, I, I, want, I just want to implore you, now is the time when the church rises up. Now is the time when we share the gospel of Jesus. People are looking for answers and solutions. There's so much confusion. There's so much fear. They're, 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 they're grasping at anything that makes sense. I'll tell you what, I got something that makes sense, and it's a, a Savior that was born that rose again for you and I so that we could have a connection with him like never before. That makes sense to me. So we need this, right? We need to be the church now more than ever. We need to be the ones that have a voice and are communicating and leading the charge with the gospel of Jesus. And so now's our time. This is when we rise up and we serve and we love unconditionally. And so if you're not yet doing that, we absolutely have serving opportunities and uh, groups and Zoom groups and teams to serve on, right? We have that as a church. We're fully equipped and capable, and so we want you to join in what, with what God is doing. But if you are growing in your relationship with Christ, and I hope that you are, right? So Paul talks about all these different levels. And so if you are growing in your relationship, here's what he says. Let's continue. Verse 14. Then... We will no longer be immature children, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
And so let me just say, Jesus is the head of Grace Church. That's how we live. That's how we lead. That's how we function. That's how we operate. We honor him. We glorify him. We worship him. He is the head. And the rest of us, we're a body part, which is great. And we have a specific part and a calling. And so the second thing that Paul begins to talk about in these verses is he's talking about spiritual maturity, right? So we can have this spiritual maturity because Paul writes about spiritual maturity multiple times. He used a different phrase in Ephesians 3 where he talked about deep roots. That's exactly what this is. It's depth. And so let me ask you, because I love you, how deep is your spiritual life? How mature are you spiritually if you were to rate yourself or rank yourself it's summertime so i won't use grades for all the the students um, but if you were to rate yourself one to a hundred fifty being right in the middle how, what what score would you give yourself on spiritual depth and maturity and here's my next question why why did you give yourself that score? Because I guarantee every single one of us, we didn't give ourselves 100. And we said, oh, I, I either don't do this or I do this, so my score is. And so here's my challenge. Act on the why. That's my challenge. Act on the why that you gave yourself that score. So let me give you a couple of examples of spiritual immaturity. One of them to me is uh, if... One of the identifying factors, if you struggle with, with just sin, right? So we all have a sin nature. We sin. We, we commit sins all the time. The things we say, the things we speak, the things we feel, right? So we feel guilty. We feel bad. But if you have spiritual immaturity, what happens is you go, oh, I feel so bad. God, please forgive me. But then you, you get that and you understand forgiveness. But spiritual maturity is shown if you allow the guilt and the shame to remain, that's a huge piece, because those of us that have spiritual maturity, we feel bad about our sin. We know we shouldn't do it. We go, gosh, are you kidding me? I struggle with that again. I don't want to do that. God, I want to be right. I want to walk before you. But then we don't let sin, or we don't let shame and guilt hold us down. We go, yep, I did it. It stinks. I don't want to do it anymore. But we know that that sin has already been paid for, and we're not going to let guilt hold us back. It doesn't need to be paid for again. We make the mistakes, but then we move on. So if you find yourself constantly in this place of feeling bad for the things that you've done in the past, I want to challenge you. That's, that's an area of growth that you need. We ask for forgiveness, and we receive it, and we move on in growth, having these deep roots. That's a, a big indication uh, of spiritual maturity. The second thing that I want to share with you is when we blame God for bad things. I talked to so many people, like, why would God let that happen? What that is, what that shows and reveals is, is a lack of understanding that sin is in the entire world. Sin entered humanity, right? That, that, that's just the reality of what we deal with, what we face. And so people are going to make sinful choices. They are, every single one of us. They're going to be selfish. They're going to respond in a way that's inappropriate. They're going to be harsh. They're going to be prideful. And so what happens is what we want to do is we want to grow in Christ so those things begin to be eliminated. And we take on the humility, we take on the love, we take on the patience. And the only way that those things come, the maturity comes, is time with the Savior. Time with the Lord. 
time with him. One of the things I, I'm so jealous of the 11 disciples, uh, the one guy, man, oh, but the 11, I'm so jealous, I'm so, so jealous that they got to spend time with Jesus during his three years of ministry. I mean, literally, he comes up to me, he says, follow me, and they followed him. Can you imagine having that incredible opportunity to literally follow Jesus around for three years? And that's what he calls us to. I love professions of faith. I love confessions of sinfulness, that declaring Jesus as Savior. Extreme salvation, evangelism, extremely important. Evangelism is one of my spiritual gifts, right? So I have that. I love to do that. But to me, I love the word surrender. I love following Christ. I mean, where we leave everything behind, just like Matthew. Leave everything behind, and now I'm going to follow you. That's what I'm talking about. That's the type of depth and maturity that, that Christ is calling us to. And so let me ask you, how serious are you about your faith? When you think about your faith, when you think about the score you gave yourself, how serious are you about your faith? Because when, when we make this decision to follow Jesus, we literally receive every single spiritual blessing that Jesus had gets imparted on us. All of them, every single one gets imparted on us. So what that means is now it's up to us to study scripture, to, to, to cause our prayer life to be bolstered, to be encouraged. One of the methods that we use as Grace Church to, to promote discipleship is the SOAP Bible study method. You know, if, if you're not familiar with that, you need to get on our website and, and take a look to, 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 to begin that. Uh, having worship music as part of your life. Where the song that you wake up to, right? What's the song in your head? Like maybe sometimes it could be worship music where automatically right out of the gate, you take your, you know, your eyes open at the beginning of the day and all, everything's focused on the Lord and who he is. Your daily devotion, the scripture that you're reading. And if it is one verse a day, awesome. That's where you begin. That's where you start. Because I'll tell you what, there's times I read one verse and that's all I need because that verse will punch me right in the face and I'm going, oh, Man, it's so challenging, so good, so deep. But then along with that, along with our growth is eliminating some things, right? There, there are strongholds in our life that have to be broken. So that shows maturity. That shows faith. Taking, so when, when those strongholds come up and they're, they're identified, it's, it's removing them. It's eliminating the sinful habits that we constantly find ourselves falling into. And so it's great to believe in Christ, that's amazing, but we get this access to heaven. We get Jesus filling the entire universe with himself because it, it's not enough just to believe, right? We, we get access to heaven and we believe, but now as a result of believing, now we move forward. The, 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 like God does not want us to stay where we are. He doesn't want us to get fat and lazy and complacent. He wants us to experience the fullness Right, where we empty ourselves of, of ourselves and we're filling ourselves with him. The fullness of his spirit, the fullness of his gifts. That's what he desires and long for, longs for us. And here's the deal. It's a constant journey. It's a constant path. Our roots can continue to grow down deeper and deeper. Our faith can continue to grow. And so if you find yourself struggling with spiritual immaturity or lack of faith or I get it. Like, I understand there's times when I'm facing that as well. But here's my challenge to you. That can change today. In this very moment, 
that can change. Where we make this decision, we go, you know what? That I need to leave that behind, and I'm going to move forward. And I, there is no better way to me than to acknowledge that before the Lord and to take communion with him. So that's why we want to do communion as part of this service about us being the body of Christ. That's what Paul is writing about. You're the body. You have gifts. And so when Jesus was with his, his friends at the Last Supper, they're all there. They're all around the table. And he, and he, and he, takes, he takes the bread. Right? And if you want to do this here in the auditorium, he takes the bread. And he says, this is my body. This is my body that I'm going to lay down for you as a sacrifice. And I believe that you and I need to experience the same thing. Where we are broken before the Lord. Where we surrender to him. Where we deny all that we were and we have this amazing connection with the Lord. The body of Christ. That's for us. And then in that same time when Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper, you know, he took the bread and, and then he also took, the, took the, the cup of wine and he said, this is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'll pray over these elements in just a moment. But I know some of you right now, you need Christ's blood. You need cleansing. I know I do. Just to acknowledge the sinfulness and to leave it behind and the shame and guilt left and gone. And so I, I've just, I feel like just God's presence like never before, the Holy Spirit moving. Where th This is a game changer for many of you. The fullness of the Holy Spirit being part of the body of Christ, consuming him literally with these elements, but then allowing that to change us as we move forward. Now's the time. Now's the time for this to happen. And so let me pray before we take the communion elements together. So, Lord God, we love you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your scripture. God, it just comes alive in us. I thank you for just the reality that you communicate to us. Lord, even I thank you for the conviction, the things that I feel bad about, and just the areas of growth that I need in my life. Lord, would you speak to every single one of us, regardless of where we're at, regardless of what we're struggling with, Lord, that you would communicate what you have for us like never before. And, Lord, that we wouldn't feel discouraged by that but we feel challenged and desire to step up and lead and acknowledge that we need you and be more dependent on you than ever before but father i just i ask that you would bless these elements as we receive them here in the auditorium here, online god that this this grape juice jesus thank you for your blood that was shed for us you, you like you gave it to us you, you willingly spilled out your blood so that we could be cleansed we receive it. We acknowledge that. And so, Lord, we also thank you for your body that was broken for us. We receive that in our life, Lord, that you would make us part of the body of Christ and that we would take steps forward, acknowledging you as Savior and now experiencing the growth that you offer to us. God, we love you. I love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.